Welcome to Wise Women Speak with Linda Pritcher and Lana Bastianuti, where we give voice to the wisdom in women. Hello, Lana. Hi, Linda. It's nice to be back again. It is. It is. Yeah. Last week, we, um, we had really great response to the episode where you read uh, your blog post about illusion and about the illusion of this glass bottom bridge that's in China. And, um, and we had a conversation about how people think that their circumstances, i.e. the bridge, are causing their uh, experience when in fact that's not true. And I think we gave some great examples and we had uh, some wonderful feedback on that. Mm-hmm. So today we have in our studio uh, Luann Edwards, who's a social media marketing expert, and we thought that we would ask her about her experience of a glass bottom bridge. So we're putting you on the spot, Luann. We'd love to hear if you have an experience that you can relate that's your glass bottom bridge moment. I do. So thank you for having me here. I was actually listening to that podcast. And as I was listening to it, I immediately thought of my own experience. When I had visited Ecuador a couple of years ago, I had gone with a friend and we had a really action-packed itinerary. And one of the days was uh, four-wheeling on a mountainside in Ecuador. And it was beautiful. But Um, While I had a motorcycle license and I had ridden a Vespa for a few years around town here in um, New England, I had not um, ridden a four-wheeler ever, and I had not been on a motorcycle since I had lost a loved one in a motorcycle accident um, several years before. And it was amazing how uncomfortable I felt on that four-wheeler, even on really well-trodden paths. It was just a really anxious experience for me. And I remember my friend saying, um, or I said to her, I, I really was surprised. I didn't realize I had this this fear of motorcycles or of, of open vehicles. And she said, well, I wish I had known that. And I said, I wish I had known that too <laughs> before we made that decision. Yeah. But the next day we went to uh, do something called canyoning, which is when you're basically rappelling down a waterfall. So really high, high um, you're, you're very high up on the mountain and you're strapped into you know ropes and harnesses and you're hanging by a hook you know, embedded in a rock and you're rappelling down this, you know, active waterfall in a wetsuit from a really high height. And it was amazing how that didn't bother me. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm on, I'm on terra firma. I'm in this four wheeler with a helmet and with experienced guides and seeing this beautiful place. And yet that was so much more stressful for me than being harnessed against a mountainside, you know, rappelling down a waterfall. So it's, it really wasn't about the motorcycle, I think, or it really wasn't yeah. about the heights. It was just sort of this, you know, experience I had had in the past that just sort of followed me there. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it was your thinking about it, not the not the circumstance of it. Mm-hmm. Was that your takeaway that you went back to that experience that you had and you saw it in maybe a little different way than at the time? D- definitely, definitely. And it also was funny in that. I had crossed a bridge on the in the four-wheeler in Ecuador as well. So I was thinking of the glass oh, bridge. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. In the actual bridge I drove yeah. over. Yeah. That wasn't glass, but um, also was in a, you know, very high um, altitude, well, altitude, but it was really high up as well, so. Well, Ecuador is, right? Mm-hmm. For starters. Yeah, beautiful place. So Luann, 
um, now that you're here in a formal sense, um, I'm going to read a little bit about uh, who you are. So uh, Luann is a founder of Socially Professional, a global social media marketing consulting firm. And as a marketing consultant, she works with organizations to develop strategies to grow their businesses through both digital and traditional marketing methods. Prior to starting her own business, Luann was a global social media strategist at FM Global. In her role, she developed corporate-level social media strategy and executed it through a comprehensive global social media program. In short, she's a social media expert <laughs> who transitioned from a successful position in the corporate world into one of her own creation. Um, Lana and I were talking about uh, what we'd like to ask Luann earlier. And uh, we'd love to know how she followed her internal GPS. We wanted to know um, about how you made that transition and created the business that you have today. That's a great question. And a big one. And, and a big one. <laughs> you can take it in a little bite. I don't typically follow a uh, traditional path. And I've, I've seen that in my, um, my career as well as other personal pursuits. I've always tr sort of made my own way. And so in a way, being with a company for 16 years was actually a very traditional path for me. And I think partly because I've had, I'd had a lot of opportunities to do different things within that organization, and it's a great organization. Um, but what I found was that um, I was ready for something different, and I was ready for something new. And that was really scary for me because without the, f the framework of, of, an, of an organization, right, of safety, of uh, having a long tenure and established relationships, um, the world's a scary place. And, to, uh, and I've always taken my work very personally, very seriously. And so um, to make the decision to leave itself took me a long time and to, to go out on my own. And... Part of that was I had gotten to a point and said, okay, what's next? So I had moved into um, a social media role for about four years or so. And I was thinking, you know, social media is going to become such a part of our lives in ways that we don't even really understand today to the point where you're not going to need a social media person, perhaps, designated just to do that. It's going to be someone who understands communications and marketing and can um, use social media as, as one piece of that. So it's going to be in, embedded in everything. So what's that going to look like next for me? And what I started to realize is that, uh, well, let me step back. One of the things that was interesting was that I would start to have people uh, contact me and say, do you do any consulting work on the side? I could use your help with this project. Or we need a marketing person who really understands technology. Can you help us with that? And I started to think, actually, this could be a really interesting opportunity for growth for me. So I, um, you know, went through the process of making sure that I could do both, that I could continue to work at the company and, and pursue, um, you know, work with consulting clients as well. And there's certain parameters that you, you know, you adhere to when you do that. Um, but I started to work with some of these clients and I just found that I loved it. I loved that every day was different and I loved that they had unique challenges that I could help them with. And um, I needed to learn new things. 
that I might not have learned otherwise. And that started to be, that started to speak to me and started to be sort of my, my signal that there might be a different path for me than the one I had imagined, the one that I had figured I would retire from the same company after many years and really had, um, you know, had just such interesting friends and work there. But I just, there's just something inside that said, I think there's a different path here. And so slowly but surely, I made my way towards it. It's so interesting that you said something inside, you know, just said, uh, you maybe need to look in this direction now. Um, was Did that voice or whatever that was, was that knowing sort of quiet at first and just kept building as you had more experiences out with different clients and things like that? Like, how? what was the tipping point for you? You know, that's a, that's also a great question. I, I don't know if it was a, a voice that used words. I felt like it was a voice that was like a physical, um, you know, where I would imagine to myself, when I would think to myself, oh, maybe I would pursue this path. And then my, like physically, I, my body would say, no, it would just stop. You know, it was like you couldn't go anymore. And then it's almost kind of hard to explain, but my mind wouldn't let me continue on that path. It just was like, no, no, no more gas in the car for this trip. Like go somewhere, you know, go in a different direction. And then, and then when I felt like I was on the right path, it just felt like movement. Yeah. It like felt like flow, flow and ease. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So many people override that though. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they feel that tension within them when they're going in the wrong direction, but they just go anyway. So have you always kind of listened to that when you have that whatever in your body that says, no, have you always listened to that? Or are there examples where you didn't? And I, I'm sure that there are examples where I have not listened to that. And I'm, I can't think of it right now, but I, I'll come back to it if I do. Um, but I, I feel like I've developed a really strong intuition or gut feeling or whatever we'll call it. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the combination of the learning and the living. Like when you bring that together... And I, and I, you know, I, I'm a lifelong learner. So I'm always looking for ways to learn new things and develop myself and develop professionally. And the more I learn and then the more I live it, the more I see you can't override that. You can't not listen. Even if everything in the book makes sense, everything on paper makes sense, everything yeah. you read, you know, all of the circumstances make sense. But if your gut's telling you there's something, there's growth elsewhere, you, I, I can't not listen. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because you started out by saying that you were in this place where you saw the outside world, outside the corporate world was potentially really scary. Mm-hmm. But something told you that there was life outside of there. And then you listened and maybe you got some wrong turns, some mixed signals about which way to go. But you were telling us about how you saw opportunities and then they just kind of snowballed into you're finally making that decision to make that change. And now today, what is your business like? So my business is is um, interesting and amazing and scary. I, so I describe it as scary fun. So it is so fun. Oh, like uh, rappelling down <laughs> a waterfall. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Or riding a motorcycle. I don't, I don't know why that appealed to her. I know. <laughs> but it is, yeah, I, I think what I liked about the rappelling down the waterfall and any adventure really is you have a framework, right, of, of safety, right? You have your harnesses, you have your guides. Um, 
and I had my harnesses and my guides as I moved along in my um, corporate to entrepreneurship journey. And I still have my guides. So, so it's, it's scary because I'm, you know, I'm um, making the decision to not maintain, you know, the, the, the safety and, and a lot of really positive things, really interesting work, interesting clients um, on the corporate side, great, you know, coworkers, but also like, what's this potential? That's scary. And that's so fun. And that's so cool. And um, one of the challenges, and I might, uh, forgive me if I jump around, but one of the challenges I have is that um, it ebbs and flows, right? So if it's not amazing, it can be a little like, oh, is this going to work? Is this? So I have to really be disciplined about how I approach even the smallest things, if I, how I approach my day when I start, when I finish. Because if I don't get a good start, then I sort of hit a lull and um, then I start to worry, well, is this working? Is this the right decision? And so I almost, it sounds silly, but I know in the long term, this is the path for my, for my career yeah. and for my, you know, for my life. But there are these little blips of doubt that I have to almost structure out of my day so that I don't allow myself to fall into that self-doubt or that yeah. uh, imposter syndrome I'm sure everybody's familiar with. Yeah. So, so I have found that if I structure things, you know, if I structure my day a certain way where I get up at a certain time and I work for a certain amount of time and then I develop some time to um, research or to learning, or to education, um, that just sets me up to be, to have good momentum and, and continue that really positive growth. Yeah. And I think there's an interesting thing that I, as you were talking about that, that I started thinking about that you have points where you have probably some insecure thinking, right? Mm -hmm. In those low moments when you get concerned about, oh, did I make the right decision? Is this the right next thing to do? But then you come back and your your wisdom shows up in a way to say, yeah, trust me, I'm on the right path. And so it, you go back and forth, kind of up and down, but you always, it, it sounds like you really have a lot of trust that you've made the right decision. And therefore, you're listening in, tuned into that. And so when you have insecure thinking, it just goes by. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay, I'm back. And the structuring for you is really helpful, structuring your day. Yeah. And it sounds like you also recognize that there is an ebb and flow to you're going to feel like, yeah, and then you're going to have self-doubt. And so what? You know, mm -hmm. it's just part of life. It's that learning and living part of it that informs how you do things. And I love that you're listening to, you know what works for me? This seems to work for me when I structure something and I know, you know, it yeah. sets me off on the right path for me. You know, it, I think it's so individual, but you've obviously tapped into something that works. And one of the things that I've given myself is a date to worry. So I say, yeah. okay, I'm going to give myself, you know, another six months before I'm going to worry about having X number of clients, or I'm going to give myself three years to say, okay, this business didn't work. Maybe I'll take it in a different direction. So that if I have the ebb and flow, I say to myself, okay, but I still don't have to worry for another six months. So I'm going to hit, you know, uh, what's today? You know, I'll hit six months from now and say, okay, now I have to worry. And I'm sure that when I hit that point, there will be nothing to worry about. Yeah. And then that's the living and learning piece. Because as long as you stay alive with that, that that's operative, right? You can say, well, maybe this didn't work in the last six months, but I can see that this did. And that's the living part of it all. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's and aliveness. It's, it's the sh- yeah, it's the yeah. it's responding to life. Yeah, instead of <laughs> reacting to it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, wisdom is responsive. Yeah, yeah. When we let it, when we don't listen to the insecure thoughts about is this working? Because really, truly, they're just temporary and they're just thoughts. And you are demonstrating that. I'm so curious when you when you talked earlier about it's really scary and it's there's I have a I have fear but you said it in such an open light way <laughs> like I'm sure for other people it would it would come across as very heavy and very serious and debilitating almost so what goes on in your mind when you say this is scary and this is I'm afraid you know it's fearful this is I think where I've developed the living learning combo right of where I've I've arrived and when I'm usually the most fearful or the, the most scared is right about when things are going to start getting really fun mm-hmm. or really successful or really uh, positive. And it usually means I'm taking a risk and risk means growth and risk, you know, could mean really any number of developments. So uh, I'm going to borrow uh, a, a thought from an article that I can't remember where I found it. It was probably in, um, you know, a magazine that I read, but they said that your brain doesn't know the difference between fear and excitement. So you just have to convince yourself it's excitement. Fear for many years, really, uh, in, in a lot of ways, you know, personally and professionally, has allowed me to limit myself mm. and not take the risks that might have led to, to really amazing things. Now, I'm very lucky in that I've had other amazing things in my life. But the more I'm open to, to experiencing fear and experiencing um, uncertainty, just the the cooler things get. Yeah, and to see that, you know, fear is really thinking fearful thoughts back to where we started with the bridge, right? Mm -hmm. If you're thinking fearful thoughts about that, you know, four-wheel ride, or I was thinking about the bridge and how I'm afraid of heights, then I'm going to have a series of fearful thoughts, and then I'm going to be afraid, and then that's going to hold me back. And it's also, I mean, it reminds me of this amazing story of these two celebrity singers, well-known singers, and they were both describing what happens to them when they go on stage. And they both describe the same things within their bodies. Like, this is, I get tightened, I, you know, my breathing changes, I feel this in my stomach. And then ultimately, one of them saw it as, oh, I'm ready to go out, I'm excited. And the other one said, I'm having an anxiety attack, I'm, I'm scared. But it was all the same things in the body. But the mind interpreted it as this is what this means. I I, I love that story. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fascinating and true. And mm-hmm. it's funny yeah. that if you're if you're a successful performer, that you don't get so much practice that you're able to say to your brain, "This is excitement." Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what I've tried to do is whenever I confront a situation where I'm really uncomfortable or really nervous. I try to think of other similar situations in the past and how they turned out or how I, how I dealt with them. And that makes it a lot easier for me to approach scary things or uncertain things in the future. Mm-hmm. So so that's sort of, I really try to think back about the things I've learned in the past. And uh, it's part of my, my quest for professional and personal growth. It's mm-hmm. just always learning and, you know, trying to, to just get better. I'd love to um, ask Luann about the mystery of social media marketing. How can that really be helpful in a very busy, busy world? 
social media is not new or new, even new-ish, right? Because we have probably had true social media yeah. since 2005 yeah. or six, give or take. What social media has done is taken a communication um, format and just added technology to it. So now instead of being in the village square, um, and I'm sure I'm borrowing this from one of my instructors in mm-hmm. my program that I um, studied social media in, but instead of being in a village square, you are now on the global online village, except you can have multi-way communication with people you've never met before across time zones, across um, locations, across languages, geography. There's no limits anymore. Now there's good and bad with that, right? Because like anything else without moderation, it can be a bit much, you know, personal moderation and also platform moderation. What's good about social media for businesses is that it puts you where your audience already is. So if you will be really successful at social media, it's because you've taken the time to understand your audience and what's important to them and what value you bring to them through your business. So if you're just trying to sell something to to the whole world without any differentiation or without understanding what their needs are, it won't be successful because it'll be just noise to the people who are seeing it. But it's a really great opportunity for you to reach your audience in a meaningful way if you're very authentic about it sharing information that's helpful to them, and also providing them a way to refer you to their friends or tell their friends about you or your company. And so it makes your customers' lives easier because you're giving them information that they want in a place they can use it easily and share it easily. And it gives them a way to um, to speak to you as well. Whereas before they might have had to get on a phone and stay on hold for 10 minutes while the next caller is you know, having, having their conversation with the, with the operator. Now you have almost instant uh, communication. The other thing that's nice is it allows for uh, crowdsourcing where somebody will ask a question of a company or a person and another member of the community will jump in and answer it before you can even answer it. So it fosters more community and conversation that way. So uh, my advice to any business owner is before you even get on the technology, understand your customer and what you want to share with them and what you want, uh, what the outcome is that you want to achieve through social media. And then pick the platforms that work best for you. Yes, they all enable multi-way communication. You know, anything that you can like, comment, post, publish, share, uh, rank, th- those are all social media functions, right? Social media technology. But if you may not find that Snapchat will be the right social media platform for your business if you're targeting a different type of audience. So understanding the platforms in your audience and where they are is really helpful. It's like a really helpful first step. If technology intimidates them a little bit and they're not quite sure how to navigate it, how does one use technology in a way where they can discover where are you know, the people that I want to help, where are they sitting in social media? Like where, how do I get to them? That's, it, there's a lot of answers to okay, the, yeah, yeah that is a complicated it's question. Com- <laughs> it's a complicated question, but here's how you approach it. Okay. So think about your existing customer base now, your clients. Mm-hmm. Who are they now? Where are they likely to communicate? How are you communicating with them? Are you doing it by email? Are you doing it by phone? Are you doing it, um, are they dropping into your office, your store? How, how are you reaching them? And then you might actually just ask them, are you using social media? Would you follow us on Facebook or LinkedIn page or some other social platform that that you're using. Um, I would also caution you only use the ones that you can be effective on. So it doesn't make sense to use them all. 
A lot of companies do jump right in and say, we've got to be everywhere. Um, but if you don't have the right content or the right audience there, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So, um, but, but ask you first, ask your clients, where are you? Where do you, where do you tend to use social media? It's a lot of studies online. Um, Pew does, uh, some social media research. They have great insights. There's a lot of, of research on, you, you know, if we look at demographics, who uses which platforms and how they use it. So that can also help inform like that secondary research. Um, and then testing you know, trial and error. Put some posts up there, see what happens. See if you get a response. Ask people in real life. It really does, it supplements your real life relationships anyway. Yeah. So if you always remember that, right, who's your audience, and then how do you interact with them in real life, there's probably a technology solution. And if you're a business owner and you're really starting fresh, um, you could you could ask for help, right? You could work with someone um, who does this kind of work. And there's people who do, who do all different flavors of social media consulting, Um or you can also jump in yourself and do a little bit every day. So if you're in a business-to-business environment, create a LinkedIn profile. Create a LinkedIn company page. Look at other companies. See what they do. Look at your competitors. That's always a great way to understand what people are doing in your industry. And then try things out step-by-step. Step. One of the things I want to mention is everybody is afraid of looking stupid or looking silly or looking whatever, right? It's mm-hmm. the, right? We're always, we always worry about how we look and if you're not comfortable with social media, it can be intimidating because you don't you're not using something you're comfortable with, and you might say something the wrong way. Or, um, but that almost never happens because we really uh, uh, people really approach social media. The users, right, our our audiences, are always going to be a little more forgiving because social media is so quick, so fast. So you're typing quickly. There's maybe a typo here or there, but typically, if you're using good judgment in real life, your social media presence will reflect that anyway. That's really great. Yeah, it's back to the living and learning, right? (laughs) The experimentation piece. And also, and at Wise Women Speak, you know, we're interested in women speaking out in the world in with their authentic voice and navigating a life of meaning. So it's dialing it back to, you know, who are you? Who do you want to be to the customers that you have or the friends that you have? Um, and I think that that authentic piece is really an important one. And that's key to any social media activity is if you're not authentic, that is so clear to your audience, so clear to your community, and they'll just mute your page or they'll they'll just turn off. So you ha- you really do have to be authentic. And that authenticity comes from your real life personality as a business and as a person. Yeah. Yeah. So posting um, posting other people's work like pictures of kittens and things that you found on the internet is not as powerful as something that you've written or experienced yourself, right? I mean, yes, a a certain amount of sharing, but sharing with meaning, sharing with real intent, as opposed to just sharing to get noticed. That's exactly right, is you don't want, your your goal is not to get noticed by a lot of people. Your goal is to get noticed by the right people Mm. using the right message. And there sometimes will be guides that will say, you should publish five times a day on this platform and two times a day on that platform. And those are good frameworks, you know, it's, but, but if that doesn't make sense for your audience, it's not going to make a difference. So, um, some of it's really intuitive. Some of it's really, I know how to interact with my clients or my customers. So I'm just going to take that and use the technology to its best use and add the most value for my, for my community. 
And sometimes that could be sharing other people's content if it's meaningful, but sharing just for the sake of having something up there every two hours is not going to necessarily yeah. do it, do the trick. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. What about people who are private, who, you know, they're much more private, but say they have a business and they do want to use social media to help, but in their authenticity, they're like, oh, I don't, you know, I just don't feel comfortable sharing so much about my personal life or what's going on. That is very common, actually. Okay. A lot of people feel like they're too exposed on social media. There's too much visible to strangers or people they don't know. And so I would advise someone like that to act very similarly on social media. So share things that add value for your audience, share things about your business, share things that are interesting, but don't share anything personal if you're not comfortable with it. Or you can share some personal things. You can have your your public persona, but that's not necessarily opening the door and saying, here are all my, all the pieces of my personality and all of my, my you know, information. So you, you, you sort of take your in-life persona and you create a public version of that and you share things that are valuable, but not necessarily revelatory if you're not comfortable with it. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. so much sense, too. Back to the authenticity piece, yeah. that it is who you are, and it's you're reflecting that in what you put out in the world. What makes sense for you? Whatever else you hear out in the world, all the things, all the learning pieces, right? Mm -hmm. You come back to living them and what uh, what you hear that that seems right for you. When I first started writing a blog, I thought to myself, well, what do I have to say? Like, I just, I have nothing new to add or, and it was only in just, I thought to myself, just start, just start somewhere. And as soon as I started, I started in a way building this muscle and then opening up a part of me that had this voice, that had something to contribute. And it loosened something up that I thought, I'm sharing it for me. Like <laughs> often it's a letter to me or a reflection for myself. And if it helps others, oh, fantastic. But it's opening up that voice. So I have an, an analogy, a personal analogy for that. Um, I started my career as a meeting and event manager. And I remember that I was planning um, an internal event for employees and I had picked a menu and I had picked what I thought everybody else would like. And I handed my menu off to the person who was mentoring me. I was very junior in the role. And I mean, it was full of, of red ink, right? And she, she said, no, upgrade this, upgrade that. No, this is better. No, this is, you know. So, and I remember thinking, I should have just picked what I liked because that's what she changed my menu to look like is what I would have picked. But I was picking what I thought everybody else would like. So what I will tell anyone who will listen is, don't discount yourself as a key member of the audience. If you think you'll find it interesting, other people will too. And I think starting out talking, sharing things that you yourself would like is really helpful because you're, you're coming from your place of expertise, mm -hmm. your credibility. Um, but there are other people like us, like all of us. Yeah. Right. And we forget that. Yeah. So, so don't try to, to remove yourself from that creative process because it is, that's exactly where you should be, right in the middle of it. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Gosh. Yeah. It's a great way to, um, to end our conversation, Luann. If people would like to get in touch with you, how could they do that? So my website is sociallyprofessional.com, and all of my contact information is there, and I also uh, maintain a blog. So that's the easiest way to find me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I always say yeah, that. I'm so happy. Is. I know. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. It's, it's so, oh, I, feel, yeah. I feel invigorated here. Yeah, I do. That's yeah. why we keep coming back. I know. <laughs> that's why we have great guests. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate learning your wisdom and, you know, sharing a little bit of what yeah. I've learned along the way, sharing too. Sharing it. Yeah. Wise women speak. Wise women. Once again. Till next time. Bye, yeah. Linda. Bye, Lana. You've been listening to Wise Women Speak. If you'd like to hear more, please go to wisewomenspeakpodcast.com or find us on iTunes. Mm-hmm.